welcome to Awaken Podcast. I hope you enjoy the teaching. So we have a new series starting today called Rhythms. I'm super excited because I haven't been here. Well, I've been here, but I haven't taught in over four weeks. So uh, my name's Micah, if we haven't met one of the pastors here. And uh, well, first I'll say this. Thank you to the ladies. Over the last four weeks, we had four women who shared uh, their voices. And I don't know about you, but uh, man, so wonderful, wonderful. Um, As a guy, as a man, um, really beautiful being led and pastored by a woman. Um, I, I think there was a point in my life when I would have had a, I would have struggled with that, and I'm grateful for the journey that I have been on and grateful for, um, that was a gift to me. I hope it was a gift to you. Um, every year about this time, we all, uh, we start asking the same question at, uh, in, in this neck of the woods, which is what happened to... There it was, yeah, summer. What happened to summer? Where did summer go? What happened to summer? I was going to be so intentional about doing these things. And we have a, a, you know actual reason to be upset this year since July, or summer didn't start till July. But um, every year we, we, we inevitably, as a culture, collectively, we begin to ask, um, you know, and we, turn, we turn, our, turn our attention towards school starting up again and things like that. And, of course, cheese curds at the state fair. Come on now. Now we're preaching. Bring it all. Any state fair junkies out there? Go ahead, raise it loud and proud. How many of you have never been to the Minnesota State Fair? What is wrong with you people? This is a world, world-renowned state fair. I mean, people know about the Minnesota State Fair all across the country. And by the way, the best people watching on the planet bar none, right? People talk about the Mall of America bollocks. It's got nothing on, on the, uh, uh, it's the state fair. I love it. I mean, you can find more mullets at the state fair than you know what to do with. You know what I mean? And, then, and, and the midway, the midway after, when the sun goes down in the midway, oh man, the carnies come out. I call them the carnies. They're the guys who are like, hey man, you want to win this bear for your girlfriend? Come on over here. You're like, oh my gosh, uh, don't eat me. Uh, but you can win a bear for your girlfriend, so that's cool. But we, we asked this question, you know, where'd summer go? And around this time of year at Awaken, we begin to ask this question, um, like, who are we? What are we about? What's the vision of this church? Where are we headed? And it's kind of a, uh, you know, culturally in Minnesota, it's a, it's a window of time where we, we, we often can take the long view of something and step back a little bit and at least try to chart a course forward. And that's what this series is about. Um, we are three years old as a church plant. We were just recently accepted as a covenant congregation this past summer. So we've had a lot of things happen in the, in the, the, the near past. But, you know, we've got a, a long view of three years of history. And we want to just stop for a moment and say exactly where is it that we are headed and how will we get there? Um, so this is a series asking some questions about um, the patterns of our life together. Uh, like some questions that come to mind are, Are there things that we continue to do at Awaken that we just find ourselves doing? Parker Palmer wrote a book called Let Your Life Speak. It's this idea that you have an innate sense of who you are, and no matter what setting you find yourself in, you will always continue to do that no matter where where it is. Um, So he suggests get a group of people around you, kind of Mennonite style, you know, the circle of discernment, and ask people, what is it that you find me doing all the time? Um, That's something that we want to do at Awaken. What do we find ourselves doing all the time? Are there things in Scripture that the church should be doing? that we find the church doing. 
Um, are there, are th- is there a flow or a way to organize things around here? And if so, what is it? Uh, and how simple or complex is that rhythm or flow? Two guys, uh, Eric Geiger and Tom Rainer, wrote a book called Simple Church. In it, they argue, I think quite convincingly, that to the degree that a church has a clear and articulate vision of the journey that people are on in their community, classically understood as discipleship, to the degree that a church has a clear and articulated vision of the journey people are on in their community equals the degree to which that church is vibrant, healthy, and growing. And the results are actually quite staggering. Uh, The more complex a community is, the less effective it is essentially. And you, those of you that know me know I, I'm not looking for a silver bullet here on church growth strategies. You know, that would be like an alien had inhabited my body and came back. Um, that's not what we're talking about here. But if we believe what we believe about the gospel, if that's actually true, that Jesus transforms people's lives to the degree that we get closer to that, we should be and should see a more healthy and vibrant community at Awaken. Amen? So we want to explore what that looks like. Um, what would happen if we got laser-like clarity on this, th- these, these repeatable patterns or these rhythms that we find at Awaken, and we were really intentional about putting our energy and our effort and our resources towards those things, so that it's not like a shotgun approach where we just kind of like spray and hope we hit something, but rather like, no, this is what the church ought to be about, and this is how we want to get there as a community of leaders and people uh, called Awaken. Um, what, if we, what if we organized all movement in this direction and aligned the things that we do around some of these ideas? My suspicion is that we would be ready for whatever God had in store for us. Are you with me now? So that's what I'm hoping for in this series. Today, I want to zoom way out uh, and sort of give the broad brush strokes of this. And I, I confess, uh, as we move through this, this will get a, a little... Um, like you've just entered the living room of somebody's home and you're getting like a family, you know, discussion. Uh, and so this, if this is your first time, welcome. Uh, jump right in. Um, but over the next three weeks, I want to zoom in then on these three ideas that we want to offer as kind of a, a way that we organize ourselves and our life together as a community. So rhythms. Uh, rhythms. Whether you know it or not, and whether you are white and can't like clap on two and four or not, Rhythm is actually very much a part of your life, whether you know it or not. I would submit to you. Uh, If you would, just take your finger and put it right here. And if you can't find your pulse, we'll call the ambulance or ask your neighbor. They might be able to find it for you. And just for a second, feel what you feel. That's my heartbeat. It's rhythm. It happens every single day of your life. If you were to stop and close your eyes and listen to your own breath, like in and out of your lungs. It's this pattern. It's a rhythm that happens just innately. What do they call those? Autonomic responses of the human body. They just happen. It's like, it's like the system tray in a computer, right? It's just a running all the time. Rhythms. Our lives are governed by them. Time itself. Tick. Some of us would wish to stop and pull back time. And much to our dismay, our children grow up and they say wonderful things to us. Did I tell you this? No, I didn't. Um, so I'm super excited about this morning. Like, I'm pumped. I'm like, yeah, we're back in, you know, we're at it, at, at Awaken. And 
I'm walking out the door, and Hadley goes, Dad, you look like a cowboy. And I'm like, well, honey, I'm back in the saddle at Awaken, so give me my cowboy hat. It's like, what? You look like a cowboy. What? Is it the flared bottom jeans or what? I don't know. But they're just, they, I love those people. They're wonderful. Their mother is away, but I don't know if I told you that. She left Tuesday of last week, so she comes back tomorrow night. So it's been, we'll just say they miss mom. Okay. Um, I mean, imagine your day, right? You wake up in the morning. The moment you wake up, I'm guessing you do the same thing almost every single day. There's a pattern and a routine that you go through to get to work. When you leave work, like when you clock out or the day's over, what do you do? I'm guessing that there's some sort of pattern or rhythm that happens every single day that you go to work. Uh, when you think about holidays or family, there's, you might think, well, no, that's actually chaos. But there's a pattern and there's a rhythm that happens in our family lives when we make meals together and this kind of thing. And this is all before Bumford and Sons kick drum you know, comes in on the verse. Right? This is not talking about music at all. It's just rhythms. It's patterns. And Jesus says, eat and drink this. When you eat this bread, when you drink this cup, do it in remembrance of me. Like as if there's supposed to be this ongoing activity happening. The Torah says, rest, work six days and rest on one, for God made the world in six days and rested on the seventh. God says, these are my appointed festivals that you should celebrate. Um, I'm trying to find them. Passover, first fruits, uh, the festival of weeks, trumpets, the day of atonement, tabernacles. Every seventh year, let the ground lay fallow. Every 50 years, the year of jubilee. There are rhythms and patterns that happen, even in the scriptures, all throughout them. So whether you're aware of it or not, rhythms guide, govern, influence, impact our lives. And I want to ask the next question is, are those rhythms, when we think about awaken in this community, are those rhythms, those patterns that we've fallen into, are they helpful? Are they constructive? Are they actually life-giving? Are they helping people follow this Jesus more and better and deeper? Those are the questions we want to be asking. And so, are there regular, repeated patterns of movement? I skipped the, the rhythm thing. Do you want to put that... Uh, there you go. That's the definition of, ry- of rhythm. I'm going to say that like a hundred times before the day's over. Regular, repeated pattern of movement or sound, right? A strong, regular, repeated pattern of movement or sound. So if you would, turn to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. This might be somewhat uh, predictable, and I recognize that, but here's why I'm doing this. Um, often when we talk about the church, we go to Acts chapter 2. If you know the Bible, you know the story. This is Luke's second volume. Jesus has been killed, resurrected, and now this is Pentecost, and the, the new church of Jesus, right? In the Old Testament, we have the, the people of God defined by Israel, that God might bless the world through this group called Israel. On this side of resurrection, we have this group of people called the church, Jesus-centric, through which God intends to bless and redeem and restore and recreate the world. So we have the church, the new church in Acts chapter 2. And I want to look at this microcosm because there are some interesting patterns that I see developing in the church. But what I, what I want to do is just read this one with all of the passages in the New Testament in view about the church. Because if we read them all and we study them, I think that we see some regular, repeatable patterns that emerge about what the church should be doing or ought to be doing or is doing. So Acts 2.42 says this. They devoted themselves to the, ap- the apostles' teaching and to fellowship to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes 
and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. Now, if I were to continue with the predictability, I would say, we want to be an Acts 2 kind of church. We want to go back to the new church. Not what I'm going to do. Because I think a church ought to be contextual. I think a church ought to be like rooted in its space and time and place. So we don't want to go back to Acts chapter 2. But there are some repeatable patterns that we see emerging. And if you take this as a microcosm of the whole cross-section of the New Testament, where the church is talked about, I want to suggest a couple of ways to think about this. Love one another, love God, and gather. So let me break these down a little bit before I get really, really technologically savvy here. Uh, Love one another. When we say love one another, there are over 50 commands in the New Testament that end with one another that are directed at the church. I'll, I want to like really get this next week, but love one another, serve one another, exhort one another, encourage one another, rebuke one another, teach one another. They all end with one another. And this idea is predicated on a particular group of people, and it's a small group of people. So I want to suggest this idea of love one another is talking about a small Six to ten, six to twelve, a small group of people. And these are the people who have been invited inside of in. These are the people that you have invited inside of in and have invited you inside of in. And by inside of in, I mean these are the people whose eyes are on you and helping you actually live into this thing called following Jesus. If you want to say yes to Jesus and you want to follow this Jesus, you will find very quickly that this is a countercultural move. It's a swimming upstream. It's against the grain. And it's hard work often. And so this is a group of people whose eyes are on your life because you have said yes to this Jesus and who have access, who have the key to unlock the door to say, you know what, that's probably not the best move for you. Or can I ask a question about this? Because I, I need some clarity. People have come up to me at church and done that kind of thing where they offer advice on my life. And I want to just say, who do you think you are? I like, honestly, right? Like if I just walked up to you and said, you know, I've got some things I think you ought to know about you. (laughs) You'd say, bro, back up out of my grill. Like you have not been invited into that space, right? Because that's relational. And in order for, in order to have conversations that, that are that difficult or that heavy, you want someone who has, like, you, you, you trust and you know, right? Who you know has your best interest at heart. Love one another. This inside of in, this is the group of people who know what's on your refrigerator, who know your hopes and your dreams, your values, the things that you want your life to be about, your, your, your greatest failures and your greatest successes. And it's not everybody in the room. <clears throat> I'll talk more about this next week, but this, this is the assumption that the New Testament makes about the church. That group of people, when, when something is directed to the church and it's a one another, the assumption is this. Small, it's a household, right? It's a household. This is where that happens. Love one another. Now, secondly, love the world. For those of you who follow Jesus and you have not been invited inside of in for someone or to someone's life, you are afforded one opinion, It is to ascribe insurpassable worth to that person and love. That's it. If you have not been invited inside of in, keep your mouth shut and show Jesus. Love the world is our effort to look like Jesus. When the church shows up 
and it's loving the world or it's interacting with the world, those who have yet to follow Jesus, we're afforded one opinion and it's love. We're afforded one move and it's ascribing worth to the other at cost to self. This is because this is what Jesus does in the cross, is it not? Jesus ascribes worth to you and to me, broken people as we are, at cost to himself. The love of Calvary, the move of Calvary, the move of Jesus is to ascribe worth to other at cost to self. It's self-sacrificial kind of love that always looks like Jesus. So when we talk about loving one another, there is a time and there's a place for that. And it's hard work and we get in each other's business. If you've been invited inside of in, if you have not, keep your mouth shut. Not interested in your opinion. You don't know me. I don't know you. There is a time and a place for that, but there's a, a broader sense of which when we talk about loving the world, when we see the church loving the world, we are afforded one opinion, ascribe worth to others at cost to self. Who wants to sign up? Yeah, the, the line gets a little shorter than the cheese curd line. Hello, bringing it back. Um, so love the world, right? Love the world. Because when we do this, it assumes and it is predicated on a belief and an assumption and a, and a trust that God is in control of the world, that God is the one that by the Spirit the, the sin is convicted, that by the Spirit people's lives are restored and, bro- and, and rebuilt, not because of something that I have to say or offer, but by the work of God in their life. And so I can just have one opinion, and it's love and ascribing worth to other at cost to myself. If God wasn't in control, then we'd be up the creek without a paddle, right? But God is. And so we love one another in the church and we offer encouragement and exhortation and admonishment and like iron sharpening iron, right? I love it when pastors use that voice. We need to iron sharpen iron. And by that, it means I, need to, I have right to say anything I want to all of you and everybody else who walks in the door. That just doesn't work that way. That's not the nature of relationships. And that's, I would say it's bad, a bad idea. People get... People's lives are, 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 are oh, what's the word, complex and uh, breakable. And we do all kinds of damage when we, when we assume that we have the right to say what we want because we're the church and we've got to stand for sin. and we gotta, Man, we, like a bull in a china shop, unfortunately. I want to suggest we don't do that. Love one another, love the world, gather, celebrate, and learn to tell of this Jesus. This is about telling the story of Jesus. This is about the, the, the people of God gathered, bearing witness, evangel, evan, evangel, evangelism, right? Evangelion, the good news. We're bearing witness to this Jesus that has changed us. That when the church gathers, this is what we're doing. We're, we're, we're telling and retelling the story of Jesus. We're celebrating what God has done in our lives. Now, as I read the text, these are some regular, repeated patterns of movement uh, for God's people called the church. Love one another, love the world, gather. I want to offer just some simple language. And if you sit here thinking to yourself, hmm, that's really not that complicated, Micah. In fact, I heard that just down the street the other day when I visited another church. My response to you would be, good. (laughs) Because it should be that way. If these are actually regular, repeated patterns that we find the church doing in the church, then we should be hearing it everywhere we go where the church meets, right? So this is not rocket science. I'm not recreating the wheel here. I just want to be articulate about how we want to organize ourselves. So very simple. When we talk about one another, in. This is the in work. This is community. How do we do community? When we talk about loving the world, this is out. This is how do we, 
not how do we send missionaries out, but how do we participate with our own very lives in the mission of God, which is to redeem and restore and recreate all things? How do we participate in that? That's the outwork. In, out, and up. When we gather, how do we do this? How do we gather? What does it look like? What's important? What's at the center? What's, do we, you know, those kinds of things. In, out, and up. Very, very simple. Now, we're going to switch programs, literally. We're going to switch programs from one to the other on the computer up there. And uh, they've given me the clicker, which is dangerous. Be careful. Ah, laser pointer. If you get out of hand, I will laser point you. Say I won't. Now, here's what I want to do. I want to just briefly, I want to offer a picture of, our, of a way forward for us. And again, if you're new this morning at Awaken, like, welcome, you are in the living room here, okay? Um, but this is, this is nine months of prayer and thought and discernment and l- me and others, uh, leaders, paid, non-paid, volunteers, all of us who have a vested interest in this thing to say, what God would you be doing and how, wh- how might we move forward? So I'm going to jump down here and we're going to get into this. Here we go. When we say in, out, and up, the language we want to use, because language is important, language is a shared, uh, it's a shared commodity that we have in a community, and for us, certain things mean certain things. We say gatherings, not services, because for Awaken, we want to say this is not a service where you come and consume spiritual goods. This is a gathering of God's people. We're intentional about using that language. So we want to create language, shared language, as we talk about this in our way forward. So for in, these are called life groups. This is not new. We've been doing this from the beginning. Uh, Out is is a a bit of a new idea, and this is kind of where some of the shift comes. Uh, We're calling missional communities. And up is Sundays at Awaken. So when we talk about these regular, repeatable patterns of our life together as a community, in, out, up. Notice that we don't start with up. This is not the point. Newsflash, evangelicals. Sunday morning is not the point. It ought to be, in my humble opinion, it ought to be the natural response of Christians living out their lives in service to one another and to the world to gather for encouragement and to tell the stories of what God's up to. It ought to be the exclamation point on the end of a beautiful sentence. So in, out, up. Life groups, how are we defining them? Six to ten adults who meet monthly to share. This used to be four things, four values that we, that we asked life groups to do. We've taken one of them and moved it to missional communities, and I'll share a little bit about why. Prayer, study, and the sharing of stories. Again, this is the group of people you've invited inside of in. Now, we recognize like September 8th when we kick these things off. That was a subliminal message. So September 8th, when we kick these things off, that you're not going to get together in your first life group and go, like, oh my gosh, here are my deepest, darkest secrets and all my hopes and dreams for my life. Okay, that's not going to happen because relationships take time. But the, the goal would be that this is a group of people who really know who you are. Because if you come here and this is all you do, this is an anemic experience and it will not meet the needs of, of your heart. Every human desires to know and be known and this just doesn't do it. This has limitations. This is beautiful. It's good. We should keep doing it, but it can't be the only thing. So life groups is that space. It's where that happens. It answers the question, how do we do community? Community, mission, and gathering. Those questions have to be answered by the church of Jesus. This is how we want to do it, okay? Missional communities, 20 to 50 adults or two to five life groups who meet monthly for a meal to discuss two questions. Previously, life groups were asked to serve, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Study, uh, share, pray, and serve. And we found that the six to ten 
was just didn't have enough chutzpah to kind of like get out there and sort of, it, it, takes, it takes a little bit of uh, takes a little bit of moxie to like put yourself out there and ascribe worth to somebody else at cost to self. It goes against the nature of our hearts. So we found that service or mission, how people are living out mission just wasn't happening in life groups for the most part. And so we've, we've uh, read a ton about this. And the idea is this is big enough to care, uh, small enough to care, big enough to dare. Like you get a few more people in the room and like, okay, t- together let's do this instead of, hey, do you want to go to so-and-so's house? And you know, you're like, ah, I kind of got something else going, right? But this whole group of people, there's this shared like, yeah, let's do this. And the idea is you ask one question. So the missional community leader is tasked to, to facilitate a conversation monthly over a meal to answer this question. How are you living on mission and how do we support you? Now, these missional communities our hope is that they sort of work in two ways. One, each missional community will have an identified what we're calling strategic partnership or mission context. So for example, if you've been around Awaken, this would be Garlow Elementary, right? It's a partnership that we have with a local area so folks in this area who live here can actually live, live out the, their faith in Jesus there, right? But as we talked about this, we realized that what we don't want to do is to say to you who work 50 hours a week in, in a job on... on in a vocation where you really believe and have the sense of like my, me living out mission, me living on mission in the world, I do there. And I don't want to be made feel, to feel guilty because I can't go to Garlow and serve because I'm living on mission in my job. So we want to say yes to all of those things. For some of you who are earlier in the process, you may need a little more structure. We want to provide that. Where structure is needed, we want to give it. For those of you who have got your feet underneath you and you're living it out, awesome. How, do you, how are you living on mission and how do we support you? How do we come under you, pray for you, encourage you, send you out into the world to live on mission uh, as you follow Jesus? So that's the goal of the missional community, that it becomes a place where those stories are told and they're encouraged and prayed for and sent out, right? Last, uh, so this answers the question, how do we do mission? Sundays then, and this is where I get super excited, because Sundays becomes the gathering of these communities, right? The gathering of Awaken, all of Awaken, wherever you are, um, where we tell and retell the story of Jesus, and we celebrate all that Jesus is doing in our midst. If missional communities are doing what what I believe the, 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 the scriptures invite us and command us to do, then there ought to be stories to tell, about how God is at work in your life and how you're figuring out ways to connect. Oh, you know what? I do this for my job, but if I did it through this lens, it changes everything. It changes my response to that pain in the neck down the hall. I ascribe worth to them at cost to myself, and here's what happened this weekend. I got punched in the face. No. Uh, okay, that might happen. But Sunday becomes a place where part of the, the, the role of the pastor and the, and the curator, which I, I see myself as, as part of this experience, is to find those stories and let them breathe here so that we see what God is up to in this community. Because if you drive from Farmington, you don't know the people who live in St. Paul and what's happening there. So this becomes a space where we can see those things happen. So this addresses how do we gather. Now, here's how we're, here's how we're framing this thing, and, and we'll kind of wrap this up. Uh, this is our city. In case you didn't know it, the joke joint is right here. Uh, the Mississippi River goes like this, like that. The Minnesota River hits it here, and the walleyes are right about here <laughs> on a wing dam by the airport. But don't tell anybody. Um, so imagine, if you would, if we had clusters of life groups that were meeting in areas. These are, again, 
Life groups uh, meeting monthly for prayer, stu study, and sharing of stories. So if we have a cluster of them on the east side, a cluster of them on the west side, a cluster of them in the south, what if we actually gathered those clusters of life groups into missional communities where there was a missional community leader who facilitated this conversation about how are you living on mission in the world and there was a place for that to happen. Uh, missional communities. This, my friends, the confetti falls. Release the doves! <laughs> this, is our, this is our plan. <laughs> this is our... This is it! We're putting all the eggs in this basket! <laughs> and it's like, wow, that's like stick figure drawings, man. Yeah. Because here's the deal, right? On the one hand, it's really simple. Love each other, love the world, tell the stories. On the other hand, it is ridiculously complex and difficult because you all are involved. I'm involved, <laughs> right? And so these little networks of relationships, we believe, I believe, will provide the support and the, the courage and the, the camaraderie to really say, we're serious about living this thing out, living as people who follow Jesus. So here's just a couple of reasons why we think this is the direction that we want to go. Um, and again, I am, I'm a mouthpiece here. I am not the only person who has, uh, in fact, I have a very uh, a small, um, uh, what's the word? There's a lot of voices that produce this. So it's not just me, I guess. That was a terrible sentence, and I apologize, but you get what I'm saying. Why? We want to be intentional about the regular repeated pattern, patterns of our life together, and we want them to be in sync with what we see in the scriptures. If the, in the scriptures we find the church loving each other and loving the world and gathering, then we want our, our story to be in sync with that. It's not rocket science. We want to be good stewards of the resources and the gifts God has given and the resources and gifts that are in your hands. You've heard me talk about this before, but there is something in every single person's hand in this room. The challenge of the invitation of the person who follows Jesus is to surrender that, to give that back to the God who gave it to you in service of love and mercy and justice in the world. So we want to be good stewards of the things that God has placed in our hands collectively. If you go back to the map, we draw from a huge geographic area at Awaken. So either we extract you from your neighborhoods and your networks of relationships and we ask you to come to Lilydale and participate in whatever pet project we've got going here, or we release you in the neighborhoods and the networks and the relationships that you're actually in. And if the incarnation means anything, the latter option is going to be better for us. Real people incarnating the love of God in real relationships in their neighborhoods. Like Jesus, flesh and blood, and moved into the neighborhood, right? We don't want you leaving your neighborhoods. Actually, we want you like on mission in the world in those relationships. So we want to be good stewards about that. Um, we believe this is scalable. If you were here first hour and you put all the first hour people and all the second hour people in the same room, it's packed to the gills. There's no room in the end. Go to Bethlehem. Because there's no room there either. It's early Christmas teaser for you. Uh, this, this idea is scalable in the sense that the only thing that this takes is leaders who have been identified and trained and equipped and said, no, actually, you're a pastor too. You're a leader too. 
And this is where I just get juiced because there is so much potential in this room. And when we gather this community, like the idea of saying to you, do you know that this is in you? And then saying, let's see if this thing lives and breathes. Oh yeah, that to me, man, I'm in, I'm all in. And we believe this idea carries the seeds of the DNA of Awaken. As a church grows, you guys, it has life stages and life cycles. And oftentimes when a church grows, at a particular moment in time, there's a decision that's made to either keep the DNA strand that got you there or the DNA strands that got you there and figure out ways to, because they're that important, or you kill them and they die and you move on and something new emerges. There are parts of Awaken that we believe are not only essential to this community's experience of church, but also what it means to be a New Testament people of God. And we think that those DNA strands are in this model. So we want to keep the things that are essential to what does it mean to be the people of God in the world and allow for, well, I'll close with this. We believe the intentional organization of these resources in this way places this community in the open sea of God's redemptive actions should the wind of the Spirit blow. So here's the dealio. If you read the story of Acts, you find that the Spirit of God is often out in front of the church. You find the apostles showing up at the, at the Roman centurion's house going, what the heck is happening here? You know, you're a Gentile. But the Spirit's here and these people, like it's obvious, and the resurrected spirit of Jesus is present here. So it's like, well, God must be up to something here. And we find that the apostles are like late to the game all the time. And it's as if this wind of the spirit blows through and the apostles are trying to chase it and catch it. I want to suggest that it's possible for communities of faith to, to posture themselves and to be poised and ready should the spirit of the wind blow. And with all the integrity that I can muster as your pastor, um, this is a lot of people's hearts and minds and prayers and discernment to say, we believe with everything that we have that this is, this is the next step for this community. And so I want to invite you to consider what your part is in that. It's quite obvious that life groups are the building blocks of this. If you're not in a life group, you will probably feel like you are relationally left out. And that's exactly right. Because life groups become, we're asking life group leaders to be pastors. Pastors of 10, pastors of 12, because I can't meet you all when you go down. <laughs> okay, And you don't want me there because I usually faint at hospitals anyways. But the work of like caring for and the relational stuff, that happens at that level. So I want to encourage you this week to think about two questions. One, would you consider being in a life group? If you were in a life group last year, uh, you were probably in a group that met geographically anyways, so it's not like this huge shakedown and everybody gets new groups. No, that's not it. Um, you're probably going to be with the people you were last year. There's just a little bit more direction and intentionality this year. If you weren't in a life group last year, would you consider being in a life group? You can go online. There's a simple form that we're asking everybody to fill out again this year, and on September 8th, we're going to meet here for an evening, Sunday evening deal, and sort of kick this thing off. The second is, if you have questions throughout this series, would you please email them to me? I can't do everything all in one shot, and I know that there will be things that aren't clear. So don't be frustrated or mad, or don't assume you know the answer to the question. At least give me an opportunity to answer it, and next week I'll start with whatever questions that I've got from this week. Does that sound good? Find us online at www.awakencommunity.com.
or on Facebook at www.facebook.com backslash Awakening Community. Or on Twitter, Awakening Community. See you next time.